This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by a CEO and founder, a brilliant person, joined today by Emeka Ogu. Emeka is the founder of a company called PeopleJoy, which is spending more and more time in healthcare. They work in a very specific area. They do a very specific thing. He's going to talk to us about that today. Emeka, before you do that, tell us a bit about yourself and your background and sort of founding your company. Scott, thank you for having me. Uh, as you mentioned, my name is Emeka Ogu, CEO of PeopleJoy. I uh, started my career in financial services at uh, Merrill Lynch uh, in our investment management and guidance group, where I helped oversee uh, $315 billion of assets under management. I started before the uh, the Great Recession, so back in 2004, uh, all the way through 2009, so really got to see uh, the boom and bust of the real estate crisis. And uh, what impressed it upon me the most was just the lack of financial literacy both at the institutional level, not understanding a lot of the complexities around mortgages, as well as uh, individuals uh, who were buying their homes. And, and for some, uh, even some members of my family who lost their homes during that time period. And what it really resonated with me was just the importance of having that financial literacy. Um, and that's what started the premise of people joy. So after uh, working at Maryland for five years, I left that and got my MBA uh, at Harvard Business School and really spent the last 14 years of my career focused on the intersection of finance and technology, most importantly on building financial wellness tools that help everyday people remove the roadblocks to, that prevent them uh, towards uh, pursuing financial freedom. Uh, in the course of that time between a business school for myself and a medical school for my wife who's a physician, we accumulated over $400,000 in student debt. And I can tell you, uh, Scott, that that impacted our ability to save for retirement, uh, to buy a home and really get started with life. I remember uh, when we bought our home, uh, the the lender telling me that I, it was best that I not include my wife on the uh, the loan agreement because of her debt to income ratio. And I remember when she enrolled uh, into residency, uh, being advised by her servicer that she should go into forbearance, uh, which at the time we didn't realize forfeited her eligibility for public service loan forgiveness. So it was these events, both professionally during my time at Merrill Lynch, um, both what I've dealt with personally with my own student loans and that of my wife, and really navigating uh, saving for retirement and building those, those pathways to financial freedom, uh, that inspired me to, to start PeopleJoy. And our focus at PeopleJoy is really to help uh, employers attract and retain talent uh, by connecting their employees with programs that provide student relief, either through federal uh, public service loan forgiveness programs or through direct employer contributions. But I've always been a, an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur. PeopleJoy is the uh, third uh, startup entity that I've been involved with. Uh, even though I would say we're no longer a startup since if we were founded in 2016. But prior to that, I've worked, I've started other companies that I've built and sold, as well as worked with other uh, technical organizations uh, to help them start their, their, their uh, programs. I mean, it, it really is amazing what you've done. And your point on financial literacy it, it, it's so fast because when you see the market go down this year, you have a whole sort of cadre of people, very bright often, that had no idea that the market could go down 20% a year, 30% in a year, and that they, you know, and that, that's very stomach wrenching. And then the same thing with, you know, mortgages. Mortgage rates go up by four, five, six percent. People are holding variable rate mortgages and had no idea that all of a sudden their monthly rent or monthly mortgage payments. Could, could double or triple over the, when their variable rate mortgage comes back uh, or, or resets. So, fasting this level of lack of financial literacy, even though it's very bright people. 
you do a very specific thing with people, Joy. Can you explain to that what, what exactly the niches that you folks serve and why it's so valuable to employers, to health systems, you know, and why it's so valuable to some of their, you know, their employees? Absolutely. So one of our core uh, services that we offer is helping uh, organizations tap into uh, federal loan forgiveness dollars that all their employees are eligible for. So in 2007, uh, the Bush administration identified that there was going to be a shortage of nurses, of teachers, of primary care physicians, really public servants uh, who work for the greater good of, of the nation uh, through 501c3 organizations as well as federal, um, federal uh, institutions, uh, state and local as well. And so to attract, help these organizations and institutions attract and retain talent, they instituted what is called the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. And what that states is if you work at a nonprofit, which again, most, most healthcare organizations fall into that category, you are eligible to get your student loans forgiven tax-free after a period of 10 years. Uh, the average employee at a, at a nonprofit hospital is holding around $60,000 to $70,000 of, loan of loans, uh, even higher when you look at doctors and nurses. Uh, unfortunately, that program has had a 99% failure rate. So what has happened was has, that it's lost its ability to actually attract and retain talent because a lot of employees with student debt uh, think that they're not going to qualify for those programs. What we do is actually help those employees get to the finish line of these programs. So turning that 99% failure rate into a 100% acceptance rate by making sure they know exactly where they stand and they meet all the criteria for, for getting loan forgiveness. That criteria being one, you have to work for a nonprofit, which again, most hospitals are. You have to be in a qualifying repayment plan. Of the nine repayment plans that the government offers, only four qualify. You have to have the right loan type. Of the three loan types, the government offers only one qualifies. There's a lot of different things, a lot of T's to be crossed and I's to be dotted uh, on an annual basis or an ongoing basis, which has led to that 99% failure rate. And what we do is we help uh, restore faith in that program by helping people get to the finish line. And what we see happen is that by restoring faith in a program, it actually leads to increased employee retention. Because one of the caveats is you have to remain working at a nonprofit for up to 10 years in order to get that loan forgiveness. So this could be the difference between a, a nurse at a nonprofit hospital deciding to go and work as a traveling nurse at a for-profit institution or leaving the nonprofit space entirely because they know that they're gonna get their loans forgiven after a period of years. And we've seen that happen um, to great effect with the, the partner organizations that we work with. So it can be very impactful both for the individual and it doesn't cost, I mean, it costs the, how does that work in terms of the institution? The institution, it's very impactful for them because it's another way to help keep employees, which is so critical. And does the institution then pay you or how does that work? How, how does the economics of that work for the institution? Right, great question. So, yeah. so the, the, yes, the institution charges, uh, pays uh, us a flat fee to essentially offer this, this benefit to all their employees. We don't charge the employees uh, uh, anything for for the benefit. It's a benefit that's offered through their employer organization, and it's a it's a fee based on the number of employees that that organization has. Typically, uh, we are aiming for a 25x uh, return on investment uh, in terms of what we're able to help their employees get in terms of loan forgiveness and the cost to the uh, employer. And that doesn't even include what we are uh, expect to get in terms of uh, reduced turnover. Uh, so on top of helping their employees get loan forgiveness, our expectation is that they're going to get re uh, reduced turnover as well. 
No, 100%. So the concept is basically, let's say the institution pays you 200000 a year. They're going to hopefully get $5 million in employee forgiveness. It just a, a rough, rough numbers. And, of course, those numbers may make no sense in your context, but it's a 25X. So, so the idea being that by putting this to work and doing it right, you know, you're going to end up helping their employees reduce their student loans by – Two million, five million, ten million, whatever the number is. So it leads to tremendous benefit to their employees, and that helps the health system stay closer with their employees as well. Exactly. Fascinating. And, and how is um, your wife is a physician as well? She's a physician. When when, when you go to work at Harvard, when you not to work, but went to Harvard Business School, she's out as a physician. Does she ever give you a hard time that you're in sort of the, the business world and she's saving humanity <laughs> as a doctor? Does she ever give you a hard time about that, Emeka? Yeah, she, 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 uh, all the time. You know, it's, it's, uh, she, she, it's funny because she actually um, she, she uh, lived with me my, my first year at Harvard Business School um, and decided to become a physician and, and start the journey through medical school my second year. So she saw uh, a lot of the networking events and uh, the, the, the fun times that we had in business school. And again, it's only two years versus, as you know, the, the, the four years of, of medical school and the five years of residency. So she gives me a, 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 a hard time. But listen, it's, it's nothing like having a, a physician as a, as a spouse, especially when you're running a startup. It definitely helps put things in perspective um, just in terms of what she's doing on, a, on, an, on an everyday basis. And really... Folks like her are really why we love doing what we do because when we work with nonprofit organizations, I like to say we help the people that help the people, right? You know, a lot of times physicians, uh, nurses, uh, really everyone in the hospital organization are focused on giving back, right? And it's it's we are focusing on making sure that they're coming and bringing this their best selves to work. They're not financially stressed with dealing with student loans, um, which in turn is going to lead to better outcomes and better results for their patients because they're not worrying about. Uh, student debt and other sorts of financial stressors at work. So we really enjoy doing what we do. Um, we, ha- you know, we have a great team that, you know, not only are we helping with the filing and the paperwork, but also the coaching and the guidance. And that's really where I think a lot of individuals um, love our program and a lot of organizations love our program is because of the high touch service that we're giving their employees. Um, we're and definitely so- making sure that in addition to the paperwork, we're, we're giving coaching advice and counseling to help them get to the finish line. Oh, it's actually phenomenal. So the company's people, Joy, do you ever think like Harvard Business School, brilliant, brilliant person, and the smartest thing that you did in this world of hedging bets and watching things and so forth and shortages of physicians, that the smartest thing you ever did was marry a physician so you'd always have health care at home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that you were well ahead of the curve in looking at health care at home. It's phenomenal. And, and Mecca, just amazing what you've done. Any advice that you would give, aside from the health systems, this is, I mean, many health systems don't understand this concept's even available, that if somebody works for a not-for-profit, they can get their loans forgiven. If they're in the right loan programs, they, they've, they're making their payments, they're doing the right things. There's lots of ways to get to forgiveness, but they need a lot of guidance to get through it because 99% of the systems just don't do this. Uh, and there's a lot of money out there. Um, right. Any advice, two minutes, like you founded three companies now, wonderful career, I mean, when you're at Harvard Business School, does it feel like you're in an episode of Shark Tank, or are the people generally nice? 
No, people are generally nice. Uh, it's, it's a, it was a great institution, great, great program. Uh, a lot of folks who really work really hard and are focused on, on changing, you know, looking for opportunities to ch change the world and make a difference. Uh, and the one piece of advice that I would give uh, employers is really um, one of the things that we got early on was, hey, this, this benefit just is not going to impact everyone. Not everyone in my uh, organization has, has student debt. And what we've seen the conversation shift to uh, in recent years is one uh, based on providing benefits that are equitable, not necessarily benefits that are equal. Um, and what that means is making sure that your employees get the best benefits for their specific needs versus a one-size-fits-all. What we've learned is that when it's a one-size-fits-all in benefits, it really is a one-size-fits-none. And organizations have anywhere from four to five generations uh, within their organization who are looking for benefits that really impact them. And the way to set yourself apart um, in a very competitive environment when it comes to retaining staff and hiring new staff is really to provide unique benefits that cater to certain pain points. We know student loan benefits is one of those. So one of the things I would say is just take a risk and, uh, and take a leap of faith in terms of looking at a benefit that maybe doesn't necessarily impact every individual um, within your, your, your organization. And the other is really tapping into free money. And when we go to organizations and typically we're looking at uh, estimates on a 10 year period uh, for the average employ a hospital employer uh, they're looking at anywhere from 50 to $150 million of loan forgiveness over 10 years. That, again, is paid for by the, the government. And so we're always saying, why not tap into those resources that your employees are eligible for um, and give them the tools uh, to, to get access to that? Because what we've seen is that uh, when it's sort of put in this do-it-yourself option where we have some employers that are you know, telling, sending their employees links or information to actually do it themselves, that's where you get that high rate of failure because the devil's in the details. And again, um, these are individuals who are trained to, to work in hospitals and, and help folks not necessarily be uh, financial wizards. And it's not just uh, uh, hospitals and, and, and staff there, really anybody. You know, we talk about financial literacy. It's just not something that's taught in schools. And a lot of times these, these benefits can be complex to navigate on your own. And so, you know, my, my uh, piece of advice is really look to offer uh, benefits that go above and beyond um, your, your, your sort of general benefits that all employers offer, especially if you want to be competitive um, and make a difference uh, in the lives of your employees. The other thing I want to mention, and that again, is not just about attracting and retaining talent. A lot of organizations that we work with are, are focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and looking for initiatives that drive impact there. Uh, one of the things we know is that of the $1.74 trillion of students that outstanding, two-thirds of it are owed by women. And so uh, a lot of employers are looking at how do we address the gender wealth gap? We know that uh, women are going to school longer than their male counterparts because they're pursuing more advanced degrees. However, they're coming out into the workforce and many instances are getting paid less on the dollars than their male counterparts. So you have this double-edged sword of I'm coming out of school, I have more student debt, and I'm getting paid less on the dollars than my male counterpart. My wealth disparity gets wider and wider because I'm saving for retirement at a lesser um, rate than my male counterpart. And so if you're looking at how do we address the gender wealth gap, looking at the student loan space, especially in hospitals where, again, the, the, the male to female ratios tend to skew more female, um, student debt solutions are one such way to provide uh, solutions to address the gender wealth gap. The same thing can be said for the racial wealth gap. The Brookings Institute did a study that shows that uh, the wealth gap between white and black households between the ages of 25 and 40 was 12x 
when you remove student debt from the equation, that wealth gap shrinks from 12x to 5x. So again, employers looking at solutions to uh, for DE&I, um, student debt is one such way to not only attract and retain talent, but provide an ex equitable solution uh, to DE&I. I already talked about the financial stress that debt causes. My own story of 400,000 in student loans. It's also a great way to help um, provide solutions to relieve uh, mental and financial uh, stress. So, um, you know, no, might, might be a little longer than two minutes, but wanted to make sure that we address some of those key points because I think they're really important. No, Mecca, thank you so much. Mecca Ugu, uh, founder, CEO, PeopleJoy, magnificent what you're doing. Thank you for joining us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thank you very much, Mecca. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate your time. Thank you.